0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply. The
1: LABR 15-team mixed-league draft. Occurred on Tuesday night. I was in it, as well as my guest, Jenny Butler from FTN Fantasy. We break down that draft coming up next on the RotoWire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome to the RotoWire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Brought to you by the good folks at Fantrax. I'm Jeff Erickson, and I'm here with Jenny Butler from FTN Fantasy. Jenny did the uh, LAB, LABR draft. It's about the exact opposite side of me in the this draft in a 15-team draft. Jenny, welcome. How are you? I'm
2: good. How are you? Thanks for having me.
1: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm happy to talk baseball anytime. Love talking drafts. Love talking, breaking down those drafts. So uh, off we go. We had a uh, fun night on uh, Tuesday night. Uh, You and I uh, both do in the uh, labor draft. It's always like one of the first expert leagues out there. I did scarf just two days prior to that. But uh, for the most part, this is this is one that has always been on the calendar for a while.
2: Yeah, I was really excited to be invited this year. This is a great group. You know, I I have a very strict limit on the number of fab leagues that I'm willing to do. Okay. But when Steve Gardner texts or DM me and asked me to do it, I just like I couldn't say no. I have I think maybe it was you that reached out to me about doing tout wars and I just can't travel for another draft really. Right. Right. So the ability to do this online and this is a really good group, you know, Bloomfield and you and Fred Zinke, and to be a chance to be in a trading league with the fred Zenki. i mean how can you turn that down
1: exactly exactly right and fred and i uh, streamed it live stream the first two hours on tuesday night and that was a lot of fun uh ryan bloomfield who won the league streamed it as well paul spore i think did some stuff uh late into the draft on his and of course there's the sirius xm broadcast too um so just lots of places you can go get that uh, on demand on the sirius xm app by the way too if you want Ah, uh, so lots of places to get insights on to this one here. We're going to talk about that draft first. Got some news though, some bad news in the uh, on on the in the Mets world. Kodai Singa has a, a shoulder issue, and he's going to be out for quite a while. It looks like.
2: Yeah, I mean Mets are going to Mets, right? Like that's just there's just so snake bitten, mm-hmm. and what I mean, it's when you draft early, you're going to have these things come up in spring and it's just kind of luck of the draw. I mean, you can do your best to avoid injuries to a point, but it's going to it's just going to hit certain people and there's nothing you can do about it and it's the risk that you take when you are doing earlier drafts.
1: Absolutely. And this happens all the time where because of the timing of this draft, it's always right around the start of spring training, maybe like a week in. You see stuff like this, you know, pitchers throwing for the first time. All of a sudden, oh, they're not throwing. Oh, no. What's going on here? Uh, I, I remember uh, like four years ago, I was like, OK, Emilio Pagan's got a chance to get some saves for the Rays. I'll take him. Nope. Gets traded to the Padres. Um, JT Real Muto hurt his hand that year, like the day after I drafted him, too. Uh, there's a happy ending. I think I did well that year. I think that was the year I won. So it, it, you can overcome that sort of stuff, but you can easy, easily feel snake bitten by that too. Uh, with Senga, I mean, this this is bad. Uh, it's a post it, it's a uh, posterior capsule strain. It's a moderate yeah. posterior capsule strain in his right shoulder. Um, you know, we, we saw Brandon Woodruff. He had a similar injury that basically ended last season and it's going to comp- keep him out of all of this year.
2: That's crazy. Uh, shoulder yeah. injuries are scary in general. And, you know, it, hopefully you drafted him in a fab league <laughs> and not a draft and a hold.
1: Right. Exactly. Um, so Sang- uh, Senga in our draft went to Scott Pianowski uh, at pick, uh, I think it was uh, 511, if I recall. Yeah, 511. I was just
2: looking for him.
1: Yep. And his ADP oh, from yeah. the start of uh, in the NFBC, the start of uh, February is 72. So it was right there on value at par basically is where he went. Um, I wonder, does this accelerate the Mets in their attempts to try to maybe trade Pete Alonzo?
2: Potentially, but I think at the same time, when you are in New York, there's only so much tanking that you can do. Yeah, I mean they're they're just they have a huge payroll still. They have an owner that's willing to spend. If anything, I would say if they can start out reasonably well, they might be more likely to try and replace Senga than to get rid of Alonzo. But it really depends on how the season starts.
1: I think that's a good point. Uh, and there are pitchers out there. Blake Snell's out there. Jordan yeah. Montgomery is out there. Uh, still too. I mean, so you could go out there, go out and get both of them even. I mean, the Mets, let's face it. I mean, they have a team full of fourth starters. Anyhow, Senga was the only guy that was better than that. I was reading Joe Sheehan's column on that and he was making that point. Uh, current, uh, over under win totals haven't really changed yet a whole lot. I see them still at 82 and a half, 81 and a half in a lot of places. I think, I think a lot of books are probably waiting to see, uh, what sort of uh, reaction the Mets make. Um, it is used to the under in those cases, uh, for for what it's worth. But still, um, I, I, yeah, I, this is they're in a, they they already kind of said that it's 2025 and beyond is where they're really looking at that window when they made those trades of Scherzer and Berlander last year. But they're not yeah. tear down to the studs method either.
2: Yeah, I I just don't think you can do that in New York. The the fans just won't have it. So yeah, I mean they're they're still they're almost lucky that there's still a Snell and a Montgomery and those kind of guys out there, they could, you know, do a reasonable job of replacing him. I mean, to be honest, replacing Senko with Snell is like practically a one-for-one, one. you know, you get the strikeouts and the mm-hmm. walks, you know, that's, it's an archetype.
1: Yeah. The, the problem for that though, is that just replacing them? Oh, man, that doesn't get yes. any, get you anywhere closer to getting to the Braves and the Phillies. You know, the Braves have a 101, uh, their own over under of one hundred and one and a half. So, I mean, obviously the, the, the market thinks that they're going to go uh, when this division going away, the Phillies are at 90, uh, essentially 89 and a half, 90 and a half is what I'm seeing here in a couple places. So, uh, but you know, and, and then there's the, on the other end of the spectrum is the Nats down in the sixties still.
2: Yeah. That's terrible. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's an interesting one. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see if they try to try to make it work because I, they just, I think they have to, I think they have to at least give it a go.
1: Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I think, uh, it's one of those where they'll at least maybe they'll see what happens at the start of the season and kind of go that way. Alonzo's is a free agent at the end of the year. That's why they might look elsewhere eventually there. Um, that that's a, that's the big news item of this week. We saw Kyle Bradish last week, and we saw him drop quite a bit in on our, our draft. Not, and I, I'm not surprised at that, but at the same time, you know, it is a it is a DL league, so you could theoretically yeah. still draft him and stash him. I'm not a big fan of that. He went in the 23rd round. I didn't take any of those stash guys. I was kind of like, that. yeah, I, and maybe I missed a beat on that one there, but I. Other injuries are going to happen, and I just kind of wanted to start off with 30 relatively healthy guys. I guess that I mean Noel and Marte might not be ready for this start this season. We'll see.
2: I got a, I think I got a little stash happy. I was so excited to be in this league with unlimited IL that I was like, "Yes, yeah. give me the Scherzer, give me the Jeffrey Springs, give me the Jeff Means," you know. And I just got all this unlimited IL space and. And you know, when I first heard about the the rules of the league, I mm-hmm. you know knew it was unlimited IL. What I didn't know until I think the morning of was that you cannot pick up injured players in season. Right. So there isn't a waiting a month or two and then picking up Scherzer and stashing him on your IL. So it's now or never. Sure. So that's why I kind of went for it, and also because we're drafting in late February. We have, you know, six weeks till the season starts. I thought that there will probably be some really good fab targets available in that first week. So having players that instead of having to drop guys that I have drafted and that I liked and, you know, the season hasn't even started, I can just stash those guys on the aisle and I have these free roster spots to replace with fab players
1: yeah that, and that works and you know ryan bloomfield drafted royce lewis last year and stashed him yeah and, and that worked out pretty well so maybe that's something i'm missing maybe that's something i need to be a little bit more aggressive with uh because i'm a
2: rookie is, so who knows i mean i just i think i may have gone a little too far with it though <laughs> yeah
1: yeah well we will have a fab period before the season starts so you'll be able to pick up three pitchers um so that could work uh you never know it might it might be a pretty sneaky play um and the thing is it's not just injured people you can't pick up anybody that's been sent down either so yeah we draft so early nobody's really been sent down yet so you know no, all bets are on on for like jackson holiday and things of that nature there you can go ahead and take a chance that he makes the opening duty roster but you can't pick him up if he gets sent down like if he gets sent down and he was undrafted, you can't pick him up. So it makes sense to take a few extra stabs there too, I suppose.
2: Yeah, I noticed that you took skeins. So what's yeah. your plan if if he doesn't if he isn't with the team on opening day? Are you going to drop him? Are you going to try and hold on?
1: I'm going to hold on. Um, it's unlike the NFBC where it's unlimited. I mean, there's no IL, so every reserve spot is like sacred. I can. I feel like I can carry a stash that's the case. And I think Skeens is going to be up after like a month. Um, Yeah.
2: I mean, it might be very quick.
1: Yeah. I think, I think the comparison has been made multiple times to Strasburg and I'm going to kind of go with that there.
2: Let's let's hope his career doesn't take the path of Strasburg.
1: Well, I'll take the first half of his career. Yeah, The first, the beginning
2: was fine. It's not the end.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, our, Our uh, podcasts are sponsored by the good folks at Fantrax. We're going to do a little business here real quick. Fantrax, they are the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, offering the greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty, keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. Coming from another service, Fantrax makes it easy. Fantrax can import any of your current leagues and customize if needed. Fantrax offers the most in-depth player pool in the industry, including minor league players. Do you need a customizable commissioner service for your fantasy league? Fantrax offers more customization, than any other platform, waivers, categories, scoring system schedule, Fantrax offers custom solutions for all that and more, and it's all free. Sign up for free today and be entered to win an official MLB signed jersey from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Just simply go to Fantrax.com/slash/RotoWire and sign up today. That's F-A-N-T-R-A-X.com/slash/RotoWire. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. Also, we are on the Blue Wire Network.
0: Here are their ads. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: All right, thank you for your indulgence there. We are done with ads for the rest of this podcast. I am Jeff Erickson. I'm here with Jenny Butler. We did the Labor 15 team mixed league draft. Jenny, you drafted 14th, and I saw a tweet earlier that you were quite unhappy with your draft position.
2: Yeah, so I didn't have the 14th KDS pick. I did end up going, I think at the time that I was choosing, I had my choice of maybe 12, 13, 14, something like that. And mm. I did go a little bit closer to the end just to get a slightly better pick in the second round. Okay. Um, and I just also kind of wanted to mix it up a little bit. Everybody was going so chalk with the KDS. I thought like, eh, let's just go something a little bit off and and try it. But um, yeah, I don't in general love drafting on the ends. Um, it's, it's hard. And I think it'll come up a couple of times when we'll talk about decisions that I made that you don't know. There's so many picks between your two picks that you don't know what's going to happen. So you have to sort of plan for runs that may not end up happening. So, you know, I I took two closers and three and four and thinking that I don't know who's going to come back to me. So I, you know, I'm just going to do it and I probably didn't need to, but you know, I'm happy with who I got and you know i i was able to do sort of two picks at a time which can be nice you know to address two needs in one shot and you know i just had paul sporer on the end and i just he was really the only one that i had to worry about you know what i thought he was going to do
1: right so you double tapped closers and he double tapped closers at the three four (laughs) turn this is a maneuver uh i first saw done by our good friend and colleague dvr derek van Riper. Uh, I think he coined the term double tap closers, at least the first time I heard it like in an NFC style of draft and he did it at the three, four turn. So he did it right then and there. So it was interesting. You went with Diaz and Duran. He went with Hader and class a Devin Williams went, went two picks before you. Uh, did you feel like coming into this draft? Like that was, that was one of your plans. Um, if things fell a certain way or how, how did this come about?
2: It wasn't a plan, but it was an option. So I saw, I I didn't know without having experience in this league, you know, I can look back at previous draft boards, but I didn't really have a good feel for how closers were going to go. You know, I come from an NFBC background where closers are always pushed up. I maybe should have considered that this isn't that league. So maybe I didn't really need to do this, but I thought it was an option. So when I saw Devin Williams go two picks before me, I thought, Oh, it's starting. And then, I also saw, you know, Pablo Lopez and Freddie Peralta, two picks that I like, go before me. And at that point, I was looking at the starting pitch- pitching options. You know, Logan Webb, Aaron Nola, um, Yamamoto, Glasnow, Gallen. Like, I didn't love any of them. There, I liked them, but I didn't love them. Mm-hmm. And so, I just decided to get closers out of the way. I'm, in general, an early closer drafter. Um, I think that the slightly different rules in this even led me in that direction a little bit more. You know, in NFBC leagues, you have a seven-man bench and you have $1,000 in FAB. Right. And in this league, you have $100 in FAB with no $0 bids and you have six-player uh, bench. So I thought to myself, I really don't want to be stashing closers. I don't want to be speculating on closers in FAB or on my bench. I don't want to carry a closer speculation on my bench. I don't want to be putting out 2, 3 dollars, 10 dollars at a time. You know, I really don't want there to be, you know, a closer position that opens up and I'm spending $20 of my $100 fab on a closer speculation because sometimes we don't pick the right guy. And when you spend 20% of your fab budget and you didn't get the right guy, that is crushing. So I really didn't want to do that. I also like having um, closers. One place where I don't really like waiting till the end of a tier, I like to choose the guys that I'm going to get out okay. of the tier. So I like to get guys that are going to give me good strikeouts and good ratios. So I think that you know when you take one of the top five, eight closers, you are having a much better chance of having somebody that's not going to hurt you as much in those categories. And really, I mean, when I took Duran as my second closer, that's the fifth closer off the board already. So I was worried that, you know, I didn't know what was going to come back to me.
0: Right.
1: And, you know, I was sitting at the other end of like, okay, well, let's see what this, the rest of this round brings. And I thought that we'd see like five or six more go, maybe perhaps instead one went before me and that was right immediately next to me and Camilo Duvall. Now, In fairness, I wanted to wait. I was choosing to wait. Um, And it worked out that I still got my guy Seawald when I did. Um, I like where your mindset is with that. And the fab issue is real and powerful uh, because it's, you you know, you're going to need that fab for other things too. And so going dribbles and drabs and, you know, if you go three or four dollars on a closer spec as opposed to just one, I mean, that it adds up after a while. Uh there are trades in this league, but you can't trade Fab. So it you would think that it'd be easier to trade a closer. It's not that easy to trade a closer either. Um uh, it is a trade league. Fred Zinke exists, therefore trades will happen. Um I often make it with him. I trade with Piano all the time too. Scott Pianowski. Uh I'll I'll trade with lots of people. I made I made a pretty big trade with Steve Gardner a couple of years ago. Um I think it, and then I think last year I think I made one with him as well. He's not in the league this year, but he, uh, he he's managing it for us still. He's taking a slight step back to kind of lessen his uh, lessen his load a little bit there. So I'm happy to see that. But um, I, I totally get where you're coming from. I'm really surprised that the rest of the league didn't react. Although I will say it's not it's a standalone league, so I think maybe yes. after the top five are gone, maybe people thought, eh, I don't want to spend a fourth round pick on that.
2: Yeah, I did hear that from, you know, it caused sort of a, a ruckus on various streams that Paul and I, I didn't know Paul Square was going to do it too. So I think it looked extra extreme that yeah. the two of us both did it. Um, but, you know, I, I did hear the comment that, you know, it's not an overall league and it's not something that I do with any consideration towards an overall. Mm-hmm. I just want to have my saves, not worry about it. I, in probably almost all the leagues that I will draft this year, I hope that I don't even have to think about the closer speculation market. I can go last year. I did it pretty well that I didn't even really have to think about relievers in any of my fab leagues. And it's a really, it's a really nice thing to have.
1: Absolutely. I I like being able to, eliminate something from fab for me, I prefer to eliminate starters. Um, I like to avoid streaming if possible. My better teams, like in the NFPC main event have been when I don't have to hit too many streaming, starting pitchers Uh, a couple years ago, uh, a team that finished in the money, uh, not overall, but in my league, at least, uh, I didn't pick up a starting pitcher for almost two months. Uh, and my God, that was so fun. That was so nice that I have, Oh, I can just put this one in here and put this one here. And that not only does it do it, it's the peace of mind, but also prevents you from making some bad decisions and and just as importantly, it just focuses your fab. Now I can, I can screw up fabbing on other things too, just as easily, but I think a little bit of focus, a little pre-planning is nice.
2: Yeah, I, I try to do that also. I try to have at least the beginning of the year, my bench be primarily pitching Mm -hmm. um, and try to see who works out. Um, I'm much more comfortable streaming hitters, and one, league, one rule that changed in this league this year from previous years is that we will be able to switch out our hitters' uh, spots on Fridays. Yep. So we'll have two week, two times a week hitter lineups, and so I think that you know I can't go crazy with the streaming because of the hundred dollars in fab, but I'm much more likely to stream hitting, then I will be to stream pitching, if I if at all possible.
1: Right. Um. I, I heard Phil Dussault when he was on the RotoWire podcast with James Anderson talking about doing that as doing something similar, where he likes in a seven-man bench situation, he likes to have like five starters on his bench. And I, I, I agree with that approach. I've done it before. It works out well. You start that way. You don't finish the season necessarily that way. But it's nice there that, I mean, you're getting some of the streaming starting pitching early, and hopefully a couple of them stick to the point where you want to keep them all the time. Um, and then you can pick up, uh, position players as needed down the road.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, in a perfect world, you start out, you, you know, have some guys that work, some guys that don't, and early on you can replace them with those emerging starters that you can really stick to all year. And, you know, what you had a couple of years ago is, is the dream.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It is. So you started off Otani and Harper. Then two closers, then two starters, and uh, Mil- Bobby Miller and uh, Joe Ryan. Uh, fun start, very fun upside type of start. You get Otani uh, full time as a DH, and you know he might even hit more often because he doesn't have to worry about pitching this year.
2: Yeah, he might hit. He might hit more often. Um, I noticed. I heard somebody mention. I can. At I. I think it, I guess it was Steve Gardner on the on the Sirius feed. I apparently I'm able to put him in to a pitching spot. If it gets to be maybe the last week of the season and I don't want my ratios to be ruined, which is an interesting development. I wouldn't have even thought of that, but I guess I could if I wanted to put him in as a pitcher during some point in time, one thing that honestly threw me off. We might end up getting to it later is that Bryce Harper appears on the draft board. You know, all these players have those colored stickers that are color coded for position he appears on the draft board as a utility player. So it looks like I took two utility players to start right. the draft. And the f- worst part really though, was that I needed him to be colored as a first baseman because I forgot.
1: Oh no. In about
2: round 13 that he was a first, he's just in my head as an outfielder. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just an instinctual, you know, reaction that he's an outfielder. And so I'm looking in round 13 and think, Oh, I don't have a first baseman. I need to get a first baseman. And so, you know, in that round, you took Encarnacion Strand, Nathaniel Lowe went, Vinny Pasquantino went, and I thought, Oh no, this is really getting away from me. And so I jumped, uh, Isak Paredes, which, you know, I like him. I'm not opposed to having him as my corner infielder, Right. but I would not have done that if I didn't just make a panic pick and so I clogged up my corner infield spot, I have Otani clogging up my utility spot, and there were some first base values and third base values really that were open in rounds, you know, 1920 that I had no option to take. I mean, I'm not going to take Josh Bell or Anthony Rizzo just to be a bench player. So, yeah. I, you know, I got myself stuck and I was really mad at myself for doing that. And I thought, man, if that if that little sticker was orange, Instead of gray, I think I probably would have avoided that mistake. But what are you going to do?
1: Yeah, it's funny how the mind works that way. So when you're sitting at the draft table, this is an online draft. Um, are you like a pen and paper type of person? Or are you a draft software? What do, you, what do you do to track your team?
2: I have my own spreadsheet that I make. Okay. So I, um, you know, have a player list and I import, um, I calculate my own auction values and import from a bunch of different sources. And so I have values there. I have ADP and I have the, the, um, auction value and I am crossing off players as I go. So I have it set up that where I, when a player gets drafted, I copy his name out of the player list and into a separate list. And that um, is conditionally formatted so that it grays out the row that he's in. So okay. it's, you know, a visual cross off kind of thing. So I do, I, I would like to maybe have a slightly different option because you end up a lot of the time spending a lot of time crossing people off. Yeah. And it, if you are not on top of it, you can really get behind. And if you lose track of it and you have to abandon that, it really throws me off. So I, I do it, and I like the way it works for the most part, but um, it does take up a lot of time in a one-minute draft just keeping up with crossing off players. At least with a spreadsheet, I can, you know, control F and find yeah. somebody compared right. to, like, having a piece of paper. But. Right it's not as convenient maybe as a draft software. Although I, sometimes I see people with draft software, you get one pick off and you're behind and then you have to go back and catch up and like get people on the right. Sometimes you're trying to get everybody onto the right teams. And that seems also like it can be a headache.
1: Especially if you're in an auction. Uh, That's where, that's where it's a real problem. Um, I'll, I'll say, well, snake draft too, because an auction, you just change the person's team. Whereas a snake draft, you have to worry about ordering. So, yeah, they're they're both. And if you get like seven picks off, which happened to me once in this draft, Ugh. frustrating.
2: <laughs> Good news. Was You're streaming. I, I can't I I yeah. can't imagine trying to do that at the same time.
1: Yeah, well, um, I, I I actually had my one bonk after we were done streaming. Actually, I timed out on one pick because I I hit the wrong button and I was like frantic trying to get back to the right page. So I mean, I had a player in my queue that got taken, so it was fine. And actually the guy I was going to take later still made it back to me, which tells me it's probably a bad pick, but, um, yeah, it, it's, it's funny. Yeah. I do. Use, I use draft software. I use the RotoWire draft software. I love it. It's been good to me. It helps that I know it like the back of my hand too. Uh, so, yeah, I, I have
2: it. used it. It is really good.
1: No, thank you. Thank you. Um, let's keep looking at your draft. So you start off, uh, With Otani, Harper, Diaz, Duran, Bobby Miller, Joe Ryan as your first two starting pitchers. Uh, Targets, uh, are you happy with the pitch, the choices you had at that five, six turn?
2: I was happy with it. They are not guys that I've drafted a lot, um, but not because I didn't want them. It just sort of, you know, sometimes how drafts work out, you just don't end up with them. Mm -hmm. Um, But I kind of went, you know, I felt like fun picks. I kind of wanted to go with some fun picks. And, you know, I, I felt good, especially after taking the two closers in rounds three and four, I, you know, I, I think I'm basically looking at, you know, Diaz and Duran with Bobby Miller and Joe Ryan versus maybe, you know, a Logan Webb, Aaron Nola combined with, you know, a Jose Iglesias, Paul Seawald combo. Uh-huh. You know, I think I ended up okay there. Um, know i was kicking myself a little bit when the closers didn't go but i'm happy with who fell to me and i I, those are two guys that i do want to have some some shares of this year so i'm i'm happy to get them here
1: yeah absolutely the one thing i worry about with miller a little bit is uh, like how many innings does he throw uh because the dodgers could go six man rotation
2: yeah six man rotations are always great in theory don't always really happen You know, there's always injuries and and things don't work out that way. But I, I think I worry a little bit less about innings than some other people do. I mean, there's the glass now innings concern, and then there's the young player innings concern. And with young players, I don't worry about it as much. We sort of have this, you know, idea in our heads that there's, they can only go X number of innings over the year before. And mm. where does that number come from? I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I heard, you know, Saris once say that he's talked to people and nobody really knows where that number came from. Right. And so, you know, I think when, if the need is there, you know, the, the Dodgers may not have the need, but if the need is there, I don't think they'll hesitate to just use them every five days, even f- every six days. And I'll be fine with that.
1: All right. Very good. Um, let's keep rolling then. Uh, another a pick that was touted, uh, in our live stream. Uh, and I think maybe even in Ryan's, I caught, I, I remember if I recall correctly, cause I watched that the day after, uh, but Cole Reagans, uh, you got him at pick 9.14 kind of slipped a little bit there. Uh, I I've seen him go earlier in a lot of other drafts.
2: Yeah. I was really surprised that happened. Um, but you know, he f- sort of fell right in my lap. And so I thought, why not? I mean, it's, right. it's again, you know, a little sort of a fun, sexy pick, And I just wanted to, you know, get a share while I could, you know, I, I'm very, I do take this league very seriously and I do, you know, want to do well enough. It's a very public facing league, but as compared to some of the leagues that I'm going to be drafting in Las Vegas in March, you know, it is not for a lot of money. So I felt like, you know, this is the time to get players that I really want because I really want to root for them. Rather than sort of taking like the smart safe pick all the time,
1: sure. Uh, Reagan's though, I mean, in the NFBC, he's going to pick 105 uh, in the last month, and you got him uh, a lot, lot later there. Um,
2: yeah, I was really surprised that he was there. Yeah, actually, is that a lot later?
1: Yeah, it's one pick 134 is where you got him at. So, yeah, I was that told is a that there
2: pick. would be no math.
1: Yeah, I well, I, I you you saw like the little tiny hamster wheel spinning in my head there as I was trying to add up the numbers there. So, um yeah, it's you know the thing is, I understand why people are a little wary. I mean, he was hurt a lot at Texas. It just and you know kind of it felt like it kind of came out of nowhere when he did join the Royals and go, went off like that. But at the same time, I mean, there's some signature significance in what he did.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a good ballpark. It's not. you know team that's going to get a huge number of wins but I think that they'll get more than maybe what people are expecting so I'm really just counting on Kansas City not to screw up whatever tread athletics taught him hopefully he went there again this summer I don't or this winter I don't really know if he did but you know just just keep doing what you're doing Cole please please don't just stay the same and then we'll be good
1: Exactly. Exactly right. So, uh, I, I, I do, uh, I, I do like that pick. I haven't gotten any exposure to Reagan so far this year, but I I suspect I will at some point in time, Chris sale joined your team after uh, getting traded to the Braves. Uh, yeah, this is, this is another one of those. How many innings does he throw type of guys? Uh, but for, for obvious reasons, he's been hurt a lot so far. And what, what are we getting with Chris sale? Uh, both valid questions, but I think with the organization, with the team, you know, With his track record, I think that's a reasonable risk.
2: Yeah, he was another one that I was actually fairly surprised fell to me. I know that he's kind of a popular pick, you know, amongst people that want to talk about, you know, their guys and things like that. And I just, whenever I can, like to get pitchers on good teams and teams that I trust their pitching development so you know it's like somebody getting traded to Tampa Bay. You know you right. You know if Atlanta wants him, I feel good about it. So and you know they should get a lot of wins. Hopefully they will let him pitch long enough into the games to be a part of those wins.
1: Kind of like me drafting Ryan Pepio uh, in Rays. We draft, yeah. for sure. Yeah exactly um, exactly. Uh, you took uh, two catchers and a third guy that ultimately will be a catcher. You got Luis Capusano. Believe that was in the 14th. Four- 15th round uh 15th yeah uh, 14th round on the 15th. way back and then yeah. Henry Davis who will catch at some point he's currently only outfield eligible and of course you had to g- add in one guy in the last round you did Gary Sanchez for that an interesting gambit with uh, Davis we know he's not a uh, catcher eligible now but he's going to be the Pirates full-time catcher especially given the injury situation there
2: yeah I um the catcher situation got away from me Uh to be honest I I was watching them go and I thought you know I win let's see round 12 when it was coming towards me I was all about taking Gabriel Moreno and he went a couple picks before me and then on the way I thought well if I didn't get him I probably can get you know Mitch Garver keep it Ruiz maybe on the way back and they went in that same round so it kind of it's one of those things where you're on the ends and the end of a tier goes and you just kind of push it back. And then at the end of the next tier goes and you push it back. So I got Campusano, who I think is the last guy, maybe that I really am happy to get ish question mark. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I thought, well, I, I really need to think about what I'm going to do with this position now. So when Davis was available in the next round, I thought, well, at least, you know, if he can get that eligibility pretty soon, um, that could be a way to get a second catcher that I like when pretty much everyone I like is gone. Right. Um, so I, once I had Davis, I just decided to wait until the last round to take the fill in player. And I didn't want to get a nothing player because, you know, I, it, it could be a little while until Davis gets that eligibility. They brought in Grandal, Right. I think so. Right. You never know. It might be a little bit longer than we think, but I think he's good enough to be an outfielder, to be a starting outfielder in a fantasy league. So I'm not upset if I need to start him um, in the outfield for a while, Gary Sanchez, I, who knows? They, they brought him in and they paid him. So, you know, he might be getting some DH at bats, you know, maybe periodic catcher at bats when, when they need to rest Contreras. So I just wanted to get somebody that might be kind of fun and we'll see where it goes. If, if Sanchez doesn't work out, I might have to stream a little bit and -hmm. hopefully Davis won't take too long getting that eligibility.
1: Yeah. Uh, And, and, and hopefully he hits, you know, he, he does, you know, because, now he's got the pressure, the responsibility of playing catcher. I mean, there's a reason why they moved him to the outfield in the first place. There, so he could focus on the hitting. Now that he's not focusing strictly on the hitting, can he still hit? That's that's the thing that I'm kind of curious about. I, I mean, I think there's plenty of upside there, and I think at that uh, your uh, your price for him is fine. Uh, as far as that goes, uh, in for, in terms of like weighing risk versus upside there is there a player that got away from you besides, I I guess you already mentioned that a little bit with catchers. Is there another area where like, even like did Sporer snipe you at all?
2: Sporer did snipe me. He sniped me on Christopher Sanchez. Ooh, good one. And I take, I took Cole Reagan's when he came to me, but I would have been very happy to get Sonny gray. I was definitely thinking about Wilson Contreras at that same turn. Um, you know he took Ty France, who I really like, but like I said, I blocked myself up at, at mm-hmm. first base. Um, yeah, and I he t- also took um Alex Cobb as his injury stash, which I think is a is a pretty smart one. Um, but yeah, I got I got a couple of angry DMs from him during the draft that I sniped him, which was always yep. fun.
1: Yep. He dropped by ours and said that Jenny was yeah, you know, Jenny's killing me, I think is what he was saying. <laughs> so yeah, that Remember was whenever you
2: can frustrate Paul Spore, you gotta do it.
1: Yeah. And apparently all you need to do is just say, Cardinal, Cardinal, take a cardinal. Paul Sparr took six cardinals like in seven picks. It was crazy.
2: I didn't even notice it until somebody meant as the draft was going on. I was listening to the Sirius XM feed. And uh as when somebody said it, I had to look back and say, Oh my gosh, she is. What is this? You know, yep. as a Reds fan, you know, you know, like I'm I'm anti cardinal. So
1: Mm-hmm. that's right uh but not not their players i took uh, i did take yeah. one in paul goldschmidt um and did i take any other cardinals i think that's the only one i took how could i have paul took the took the rest of them so.
2: <laughs> no they didn't leave any for the rest of us
1: impossible uh to take any but yeah he went to uh, arenado walker gray wilson Contreras, edmund and Newbars, all, all, all in pretty short order i i'd love sunny gray this year i think that's a great landing Thank spot you. for him um I was slightly disappointed when Paul took him. I was at a point where I was taking hitters. So I, I mean, kind of, I, I, and I, am happy with who I got, but you just because you're happy with your gut doesn't mean you have enough you need with pitchers. You always need that other one. So I was a little disappointed. I didn't get a, a bite to Sonny Gray on this league, but uh, so it goes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like that was when I took Cole Reagans and I didn't expect Reagans to be there. I was eyeballing Sonny Gray the whole time. And when Reagans fell, I thought, should I do this? Should I? And then I thought, you know, I could take both. And then I, you know, you have that thought of like, what would Paul Sporer be more likely to take if I do want to get both. And I thought since, you know, Reagan's is, you know, the, the name that everyone is on the tip of everyone's tongue this off season that, um, I should take him and not, not give Paul a chance.
1: Yeah. I turned out well there. Uh Um, You took a lot of outfielders later. Uh, You took uh, Ian Happ. Those did, right? We did. (laughs) Yes, we did. Um, Was that a design? Like, okay, I think because, you know, there's always something has to give in a draft. You kind of come in planning like, okay, well, I'm going to wait a little bit on outfield and and fill up other positions, or is it just more what the draft provided to you?
2: It was a little bit more of the latter. I'm not... I'm not scared of outfield. I've heard a lot of talk um, in this off season about outfield being so shallow. Uh-huh. It's not something that I've found necessarily, you know, it's not ideal. Obviously the late guys aren't as good as the early guys. You could say that about pretty much every position. So, but I think that in a 30 round draft, there are plenty of usable options in the twenties rounds. I took, um, Ian Happ in round 10, which I was really happy to get. He's a nice yeah. combination of power and speed. And then I waited, um, jumped on Henry Davis specifically because of the potential catcher eligibility. But then, you know, I was happy to get in 16, 17, I got Kerry Carpenter and Max Kepler. Max Kepler, I think, is is going later than he probably should. And then uh, in round 21, I took Matt Walner who uh, hopefully will be a good power source. So I think that late in drafts it's there, are there are outfielders there that are definitely usable, if not desirable. So I'm not scared to wait a little bit on outfield.
1: Nor am I uh, obviously. Um, and didn't necessarily come in thinking, okay, I'm going to wait on outfield. It just kind of worked out that way. I did get Santander in the eighth. He's, he's like, super old, super boring. And that's fine. Uh, I, I need a few boring players in my life. Um, Yoshida, same thing, except he addresses batting average. And I, I definitely wanted to attack that. Uh, Hayes is another one. Merrifield isn't, doesn't have a green sticker, but he's going to be an outfielder for me too. Um, that was, uh, that, that was like, I was kind of shopping in the boring tier. Cause I just wanted playing time. I wanted to make sure if I'm going to wait on outfielders, I want to wait on guys that I know are at least they're going to play on a regular basis.
2: Yeah, that's the key. And you got Jack Swinsky. I am a huge Jack Swinsky fan, so yeah. I'm happy about that one. I, you know how sometimes you find a guy when he's just first breaking out, and then you feel this sort of like kinship ownership over yes. of like hit, him being good and everybody else finding him. It was in late 2021, I think, 2022 maybe that I jumped on him when I first saw him doing stuff and maybe the second half of the season. And now that he's, you know, on everybody's teams, I'm just, I'm just so proud, you know?
1: (laughs) Oh, Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I am definitely after it was cool to like him that I jumped in. I've gotten him in a bunch of drafts though, this year, got him in a draft champions league, uh, the Arizona fall league speakers draft that we did and another NFBC 50 I did early on. Um, I see, it seems like I end up with him. That's like the neighborhood I'm shopping for an outfielder.
2: Yeah, me too. I've gotten several, him on several teams.
1: Do you try to diversify or do you, uh, keep going for the same guys? Cause, and I, I feel like this, you got a better chance of repeating mid to late rounds than you do early, but do you find yourself trying to going back to the well with the same players?
2: I, I tend towards certain guys, but I am not somebody, you know, despite what I just said about Jack Swinski, I'm not somebody who really has my guys. I'm not the type of drafter who eliminates, you know, 80% of the player pool like the great Casey Chaw used to. Right. And I, so I'm just sort of looking at each draft as it comes and trying to balance my stats. So, you know, there may be teams where, you know, I'm not, I may not go as extreme as, you know, a keeper or a Estrella Reese, but, you know, there may be a time when I really feel like I need to take, you know, a Tommy Edmond or a, um, I'm out oh, Nico Horner, somebody like that. But there, are, I'd rather not have to do that. I'd rather stay balanced, but, you know, I'm open to taking what the draft gives me. Things are going to fall. Things are going to go early. You know, there might be times when all of a sudden I'm just overloaded with power and I need to make that up. So I don't really want to limit my options if I can right. help it.
1: Right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, every 15-team league, it seems like there's an area, whether it's a position or a category, where you feel a little shaky. Uh, for me, it's the closers. I, I, a second, My second closer is Alex Lang. Uh, I did not get that second closer. Um, I probably should have taken Alvarado instead of Lang, although I think Lang's got a better beat on his job than Alvarado does on his, even though Alvarado's a better pitcher. Um, right but where for you is there like that uncertainty that shakiness
2: i think it's in the back half of my starting pitching like i said i think i might have gone a little bit stash crazy il crazy so mm-hmm. right now i'm looking at having you know my starting lineup and that's it i'm going to have to build up the 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 depth from that first Fab run Um, what I did, you know, I have Chris Paddock who's a complete wild card. It was another like sort of fun guy pick, but you know, that's, that's not somebody who I feel like I can rely on. I did one thing I really liked about it is on, in the round 23, 24 turn, I paired up Tyler Wells and John means. So hopefully that's kind of a switch out. You know, if I don't know if Wells might even still stay in, if Braddish is out, but it's possible that when means is ready to go, Wells will lose his job and I can just make that swap. Um, but I think that I need to be really thoughtful in the first couple of uh, fab runs to make sure that I can build up some starting pitcher depth.
1: Sure. Absolutely. Um, and you notice I have a bunch of starting pitchers on my reserves. Uh, we have a little bit of a challenge. You went with uh, Paddock. I went with Louis Varlin. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, watch it, watch the answer be Desclafani and someone else, but <laughs>
2: probably probably
1: uh but uh yeah we'll see uh but uh, you know the twins i mean i think they have a pretty de- re- decent recent track record so uh with with starting pitchers so maybe both are the correct answer so we'll see about that one there uh but it's always fun to, uh kind of breaking down the draft seeing what we're going to do let's talk a little reds real quick before we get out of here uh i I was asked this the other day. I did a, a segment on VEASAN, and they were asking me about the Reds' win total. I think I saw it. it's a half in some places. Uh, and I'm not sure where I fall on that one there. Apparently, though, according to uh, Bet BetMGM's guy, it is the most bet future so far. The Reds over wow. an
2: 82.5. That's crazy. I'm surprised. I mean, I guess it's just because they're so young and fun. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a lot of things have to go right for for them to really make a run at it this year. I think we're probably still at least another year away from, you know, having a real contender. Right. You know, I there's a lot of talk in the in the fantasy community about this infield and there's so many guys and what are we going to do? Are they all going to lose playing time? And I'm not really that worried about it. You know, I feel like it'll all kind of work itself out. Um, you know, I think it's a lot to assume that every one of these you know, rookie or second year guys are going to just be firing on all cylinders through the entire season. Right. It's a lot more likely that there's going to be ebbs and flows up and down, you know, these guys might have to go down for a little while. There will obviously be injuries. And, you know, one person that's definitely getting, you know, the short end of the stick in the conversation is poor Jonathan India, who, yeah. you know, I have said from my, you know, the one thing I can sort of contribute to this conversation as a Reds fan is that, I don't see Jonathan India being a strictly bench player, a super utility player. I mean, he might play all over the place, but I think he's going to play regularly. You know when you are in Cincinnati and you're going to those games, the fans love Jonathan India. I think the team loves Jonathan India. And I think that there will be times with the, you know, the way that the younger guys are going that he, I think he'll get plenty of at bats.
1: Yeah, I, I think he will too. And, I think everybody's like frustrated that Candelario signed with the reds, even though I'm happy yeah. that the reds are signing people, but uh, I think you're probably right. India is cheap. He still is tradable if they want to trade him, but I don't think they want to trade him either. I think they, you know, we always say good teams have depth, right? Well, just because it, that depth gets in the way of our plans. And I'm, I'm, I'm the guy that has both Marte and an strand. So I'm the one that's shaking my fist right now, but, um, I actually think there's a way that the talent works out. Now, I think Spencer Steer loses a little bit of time. I think India does lose an at bat or two here and there. Um, we'll see. I mean, McLean's got the oblique issue right now. Ellie is trying to build himself back up. Um, we'll, you know, Marte's got his own hamstring issue. He's going to make his debut on March second, I guess. But uh, it just illustrates that you know there th- there are potential pratfalls for a lot of these different players.
2: Yeah, these ways, these things always have a way of working themselves out. I mean, how many times have we said at the beginning of the season, the Dodgers have all this pitching depth. What are they going to do? Who's going to play?
0: Mm-hmm. And,
2: you know, by May or June, they're starting some guy we've never heard of. And, of course, he's doing well because they're the Dodgers. But, you know, it's it, it always ends up, you know, you need that. If you're going to be a team that's trying to contend, you need all the depth you can get
1: absolutely absolutely uh the reds have more pitching depth than they did last year of course they had none last year none at all uh and they they added jake mole that's the list of all the players they could have added at the trade deadline they added jake mole who pitched well but you know a lefty specialist isn't really going to push you over the top they need a lot more than that what'd you like uh what'd you think about the uh signings that the reds made this year are you on frankie montas at all are you on nick martinez at all
2: I'm a little wary of them for fantasy. Okay. You know, I think that, you know, in a, something like a draft and hold where you have 25 pitchers to choose from, you can get by with that. It's maybe worth taking a shot at the upside, mm-hmm. but you know, for the reds, I'm, I'm happy about it. You know, I think that, you know, they, they went out and got some guys that may not be the most expensive, the the biggest names, but I think they're both very solid pitchers and I'm, I'm hopeful that they can, you know, survive in great American
1: yeah, that's and that's always the rub, right? You know it's like, okay, it's one thing to actually be fully healthy and, and firing in all cylinders, and it's another thing to be able to do it in that ballpark there too. It does tend to wear down some of these pitchers. Nick Lodolo, um, are you drafting him? Are you drafting Hunter Green at all anywhere this so far this year? I
2: haven't. Um, Hunter Green is a little wild for my taste and fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, I was definitely open to Lodolo and I'm seeing weird predictions that he might start in the minors. I don't know that I believe that, mm-hmm. but you know, they do have at the moment too many starters for a five man rotation. So, right. you know, maybe it'll be Ashcraft, maybe, you know, it will be Lodolo that starts out in the minors just to recover a little more from that injury. But um, I think Lodolo is a really good pitcher. And so if he's healthy, I don't see why he wouldn't have one of the five starting spots.
1: Right. And they're saying that he could throw live batting practice in his next throwing session in the case of Lodolo. So we'll see. Uh, I mean, it's just you want him to be like, oh, I'm fully ready at the start of spring training after missing so much time last year. But it hasn't happened. It's surprising
2: happened. that yeah. he's not fully ready to me. Like it, it was a broken tibia, right? I think. So I, that feels like something that should be healed by now. So I don't know quite what to make of that.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you the one guy I'm sneakily excited about and He's got no fantasy buzz. I don't think he'll be a fantasy pitcher, but as a Reds fan, I'm super excited that there's no restrictions on TJ Antone. I'm, I'm oh, happy yeah. to see him really ready to go.
2: I love TJ. That's a good call. I totally forgot about him.
1: Yeah. And he could be, remember he was in the bullpen. He was kind of that hybrid guy, but he could be a two inning guy and he could shorten these games. That's the guy that I think could be a big changer for this team. You know, I mean, Emilio Pagan. Okay, great. We signed another reliever who was actually quietly pretty good last year. Just don't let him close. Um, But Anton, oh, that, that's a, that's a changer for me.
2: They need the bullpen depth too. like, I've heard, I remember hearing you say a couple of times last year, they were those guys out. They cannot do that again and expect to have success in September.
1: I think they had the top three of the top five in terms of appearances in baseball last
2: year. It was crazy. If you watch the games, it was just the same guys every day. And you're looking at back at the game log. It's like, he's pitched four straight days. we Really? This is what we need to do right now.
1: Yeah. And the thing is, it was a lack of options to trust and also starters that would go four innings, three innings yeah. all the time. That that that'll that'll hurt you. That'll add to those appearance levels, that's for sure. Um uh, CES, uh, I took him at 13-3. Did I take him too soon?
2: No, I think that's good. I mean, he's he's got all the talent in the world. It's just, you know, like we were talking about the the crowded infield, the rookie ups and downs that can happen, but like mm-hmm. talent wise, I mean, he's got it all.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, the, the playing time is the concern, but I feel like talent wills out. Um, yeah. and I mean, he, he demonstrated it at the big league level last year when he got called yeah. up, that's the thing that, that gets me. So, but Candelario will play. I mean, David Bell reiterated that, uh, on media day just two days ago. So I, I get that there. So, um,
2: we'll see about that, but, Um, They they really did well with the trades that they made a couple summers ago, Castillo and Molly. I mean, everybody was pretty complimentary at the time. I knew some of the names a little bit, but I wasn't totally familiar and they really have all turned out well.
1: Yeah. uh, I mean, the Castillo trade, everybody knew that Castillo was going to probably do well in Seattle and he has and I'm happy for him. Mm -hmm. I hope he continues to do well but everyone knew about Marte and we were pretty excited about that. I was hoping Williamson would be a little bit better. We got him in the Jesse Winker trade. Uh but he ate up innings last year. There's value in that. He did more than Winker did. Um so there you know there is that. And then of course the Mali trade. I mean that that was the home run. We got Spe- we got Spencer Steer and we got Encarnacion Strand in that deal. Uh and then the third player we got in that deal uh, we actually traded to the Guardians and that's how we got Benson.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I've watched I I actually see I'm in Columbus, Ohio, blacked out of course of actually watching the Reds unless oh. I want to do some sort of a legal feed, but I live 5 minutes away from the Guardians AAA stadium. Yes. And I go to a lot of games. And so I've watched quite a bit of Will Benson and I love him. I he's great. Like he can do anything and I wish that It was, you know, the situation was such that he could get regular playing time because he, especially for fantasy power speed, he's just super fun to watch. Like I am a huge Will Benson fan.
1: Yeah, I am too. And I, I, that's, you know, it's like, you look at the OPS, you're like, oh yeah, this is a great player for fantasy. Oh, and then you look at the, the RBI and the runs, you're like, oh. Now I see why I can't roster him. He, you know, yeah. he he's really good in sim games. Really good there, but, uh, you know, not in our on our format, unfortunately. The same thing is kind of true of Jake Fraley now. You know, his value has mm-hmm. been kind of chopped in down because they have three left-handed hitting outfielders between Fraley and Benson and Friedel. And you got Spencer Steer and possibly now India in the outfield mix as well.
2: It's crazy. I mean, who would have thought a year or two ago that the Reds would just be overrun with options in both the infield and the outfield. And, you know, Fraley can be a little bit fragile at times and you never know if Friedel will keep up the pace that he set last year, but, you know, having all of these options, it can only be a good thing for the Reds win total.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So, what so going back to that win total, it's at 82 and a half, 83 and a half, What say you 82 and a half?
2: Excuse me, it's so hard to be objective in this situation. My first instinct is to just immediately say over. It sounds, I would say, about right.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It's a very winnable division. So if they aren't trying the entire season to win. I'll be very disappointed. I think they are. I mean, I don't. Yeah. I don't think it's. You know, that's a worry. But it's a very winnable division. So especially with Milwaukee, you know, giving up a little bit. You know, we have sort of St. Louis taking a step back to where they were, with Milwaukee taking maybe a little bit of a step back. But yeah. um, they, I think, they can hang with those guys. And I've, I believe, I've told you this before. When we go out to Las Vegas, the Westgate Sportsbook has the MLB over under contest. And I try to tell everybody that's drafting an FBC to go over to the Westgate and join that contest. It's, oh, nice. you know, yeah, you just, it's, I think, $200 and you, they have a list of lines and you just pick over under. And last year I finished second, if I oh, might wow. brag a little bit out of How 84 inches, five grand. So,
1: yeah, it worked out
2: really well. I didn't have the season that I would have liked in NFBC. I had a lot of fourth place finishes, which is not uh, my two main events and my twenty five hundred dollar auction were all fourth place finishes. So it was not as profitable as I would have liked, even though it wasn't a bad season. But that that uh, contest really made up a lot of ground.
1: Yeah, it covered your costs at least so there yeah. that, that's nice. That's very nice. All right, well very good. Do you have a favorite uh, total that you like so far for this year?
2: I haven't looked so far this year, but you know, I like I mentioned earlier, I think Kansas City could be a surprise can not contender maybe in that division, who knows, but mm-hmm. you know, I think that they're going to do a little bit better than people think. Um I don't know. It's so hard when you look at lines to what to know what to do with the Dodgers and the Braves lines and teams like that, like to be predicted for over 100 wins is kind of insane. So, you know, the smart move really the smart move, if you're making some kind of wager is to find the places where you think the teams are going to go under because it's the popular thing amongst the public to pick those over lines. Cause that's what everybody wants to do. Everybody goes out to Vegas and they, you know, pick the over on their own team and, you know, trying to have fun with it. And if you really right. want to do the smarter thing is to find the teams that might be, you know, and a pick on the under.
1: Yeah. I have one fade. Uh, that's the Marlins at 78 and a half. I feel like they've done nothing to improve. They, I mean, they signed Timmy Anderson. Tim
2: Anderson. I just, I drafted him. I, with no team, I don't like generally like drafting players with no team, but I took a chance in round 19 and I was very happy to see that news today.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I, and I hope he's more the 2022 Anderson than the 2023 Anderson for your sake. Uh, Yes. Yes. uh, I,
2: I didn't have him anywhere last year. I listened to poor Scott Jensen every Sunday. Just Anderson
1: Homer watch. Yep.
2: Oh, it was awful. So, I mean, it, I'm not going to put up with it all that long last year. You know, you get stuck with those guys that, you know, you expect to be good and you just think, I can't drop him. What am I going to drop him? Right. But, you know, and then in the end of the season, yeah, you probably should have dropped him. But in this situation and the fact that I got him late and he's had this bad year, if he's not hitting, then I don't have any problem cutting bait. Yeah, Uh,
1: I, I get it. I, I absolutely get it there for sure. And he, he's probably better than John Birdie. So it, it was worth the, and it didn't okay. cost the Marlins anything really, but that's just the point. They lost Alcantra, Sandy Alcantara. Uh, they d- they signed Trey Mancini and they traded for Christian Bethancourt. That's it. That's all they did this off season. Yeah, they, they lost Soler right? They lost Soler. Yeah. 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 And so I, I feel like they should be like 75, 74. Uh, down in that range. Cause I think they were overachieved a lot last year too. So, I mean, I guess 78 and a half is a reflection of overachieving. I just think it should be even more, but that's just me. That's my one that I like so far.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that one.
1: All right. Very good. Well, let's end on a, on, in harmony then we'll end with agreeance and uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll look forward to the start of more spring training games and more meaningful news. Jenny, thanks for coming on today.
2: Thank you so much for having me. This was fun.
1: Always, always fun talking baseball. Follow Jenny Butler uh, on Twitter, of course. Uh, you can follow her at Jenny Butler eight thirty. Uh, you can also read her uh, work over at Ftn Fantasy, and pr- she's part of their draft kit, and hopefully more during the regular season as well. Um, and she'll be part of this Labor League all season long. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Thanks to Fantrax for your sponsorship. We'll be back at you again uh, tomorrow. We've got, uh, of course, we got Clay and Todd tomorrow. Thanks for listening, to Rotowire. Take care.